So I'd like to invite you to, um, before we move into the, the song in this very room, if you're here for the first time, welcome. We, we sing a song and then I do an affirmative prayer at this point in time. And I'd like to just set it up energetically um, as we've been doing, and I find it quite pa- powerful and potent that we collectively come into an awareness because in the song it, it, we sing about in this very room there's enough love for the entire world. And that, it's, that is absolutely true. It does not take thousands. It just takes a small group of committed individuals to an idea that is transformative. And so what I, I think we, we miss an opportunity when we come together and we don't realize the opportunity that uh, is available to us energetically. Because what we are, what, what, what God is, is a field of energy. It's not a personality, it's not a person, it is a field. And so what I invite you to do in this moment is just simply, if you're comfortable closing your eyes for a moment, when we go into the song, of course, uh, please feel free to open your eyes and read the words that'll be over my shoulders for in this very room. But just quieting in this moment, breathing deeply, this next breath, just make it a little deeper than the last one, and more intentional. And blessing this beautiful mind that we all have, this ability to think in new ways, for insight and awareness. Moving that energy and awareness down into our hearts, to our heart center. If you're so inclined to tap your heart center three times, just a touchstone of activation. With your next breath, just imagine the heart breathing, opening, expanding. Nothing to fear, nothing to defend. This moment, perfect in every way. As that beautiful song just expressed, answering the call. And the call to heaven right here. And then bringing our awareness down into that third center of intelligence in the physical form, about two inches below the navel point is that intuitive center, that second chakra as the, the Hindus would call it, or the, the, the energy banks as we call it in the West. And breathing, that soft belly breathing in. As we bring awareness to it, we activate it in a different and more beautiful way. And then I invite you in your own practice, let us set the intention in this moment and keep it alive as we are so guided intuitively through our hearts and through our minds to imagine the world, the, a small replica of this beautiful earth spinning before us, suspended before us, and in our mind's eye, opening our hands towards it and blessing it, offering unconditional love and support wherever it is needed as this song so beautifully articulates. And so we begin to activate these energy centers, directing them as we choose and knowing that wherever love is appropriate in this moment, we offer and extend to the full measure of our capacity of what we have to share. And that sharing continues to build and build the energetic of it because we continue to be that clean, hollow vessel, that portal where that light has an opportunity to shine. We are not the healer, but we are the portal where that light can be released. And so we stand in divine co-creation as we move into this beautiful song and this beautiful prayer. If you feel so inclined, please join me. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. 
And in this fairy room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit, is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so once again, extending this unconditional love to the world. I stand with you in that vibrancy that is so beautiful and rich as we come together in this common intention. And so what I know about that is that it is in the twinkling of an eye, as Scripture says, that we access that and open that capacity. And so I stand with you in this moment in the, in the joy and the celebration that that life, that source of all life, that master, that great spirit, whatever we call it, it doesn't care. We're the ones that at times care. But to turn our awareness to it and say, yes, reveal thyself by means of me, that my life is your life. We honor and bless that. We bless all the saints and sages and avatars and teachers throughout the ages from all traditions that have blessed this planet with their own unique interpretation and vocabulary, but all pointing in the same direction to the one. To all the light workers to all the angelic forms, to all the beautiful life that is being expressed on this planet that we witness in awe and wonder. And to know so beautifully and wonderfully that every thought is a seed that we plant. And the clarity and the intention and the nurturing of the the idea and and that direction that we long to move and the experience we long to embrace and express, all of that is already a complete idea in the mind of the one and we continue to do our own work individually, collectively to make that more and more available and expressed. Not only blessing ourselves, but blessing the planet. Not waiting for things to line up perfectly, but knowing this is the moment and that everything that is in my life in this moment is perfect here and now and I bless it. Despite my own good opinions about it, that I could have come no other way and I accept that and know that the learning and whatever it is that is before me is made clear and obvious so may, I may choose in new and wonderful ways. This is life and this is the process. And so I just give thanks knowing that everything is in divine right order, that I open myself to the blessings, the opportunities, the creativity, the abundance, the vibrant health, the unbounded joy that is our divine inherent legacy an opportunity. For this I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Wow, what a great day. You know, you just tell those people that weren't here today with us what they missed, okay? Tell you me to see them. And don't make them feel bad, just let them know. Andrea Menard was there, and Robert Walsh was there, and it was the greatest talk that I'd ever heard in my entire life. I can hardly wait to hear it myself. Yeah, awesome. But it is such a wonderful thing to be alive and to have this beautiful, beautiful teaching and community in our lives. And man, so glad I showed up. So anyway, we're, we're starting a new book this month called The One Thing. 
And I don't want to overwhelm you. We do a book of the month every month. And there, so not that you need to read the book. You don't need to buy the book. You don't need to read the book. But there's little bits and pieces. We live in such an abundant and amazing universe of people that have gone before us and offer us insights and awarenesses and possibilities. So maybe there is one thing that you can grab onto today. So maybe something, one thing lights up for you. And if it does, great. And if it's just the idea that there might be one thing, that's enough too. So I just want to, I want to put that performance anxiety down for you that you don't have to, you know, you don't have to take every book that's in that bookstore and then I talk about it and read it. Because I don't, I don't read, I don't have time to read an entire book. I skim books and then I read a lot of it, but I skim because I can't read everything. I can't stay ahead. Too much stuff to read. But I'm, I'm very comfortable with that. I'm, I know I'm always guided to the ideas. So this idea of the one thing, and I think I can control this now. Here we go. So... I have my, my beautiful partner up there that's going to help me if, if this doesn't work. The one thing, okay, come on. Come on, one thing. All right, now I'm going to hand it off to my assistant. <laughs> the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. Because we have people who have gone before us that have had extraordinary re- results in their lives. And so the picture of the book, the one thing, is by um, uh, Gary Keller. And Gary begins the book by talking about the movie City Slickers, where, where Jack Palance, there he is, Curly, remember City Slickers? And he says, you've got to figure out the one thing. And Billy Crystal says, what is that? He goes, ha, ha, that's what you have to figure out. But it's the one thing, which is such a, a, a wonderful, simple, and profound practice, the one thing. So here's a picture of Gary. And the reason that he was inspired to write this book is he was, he was tooling along in his business and doing pretty well, and, but he wanted, you know, he had that, that, that divine discontent that we all have, that there must be something more. And so he brought in a, a coach, and it's great to have a coach in your life. Have somebody in your life that can coach you. And the coach worked with him, and after a while, the coach said, I figured out what we got to do. And Gary says, what? And he said, you got to fire yourself. So he had to fire himself. He said, because the one thing you have to do is find the right 14 people. There's 14 very important tasks here, and you have to find the right 14 people. So that's your one thing, hiring the right 14 people. And he said, but Jesus only needed 12. He said, yeah, but you need 14. <laughs> so he fired himself. He stepped down as a CEO, and he made finding the 14 people his singular focus. Within three years, 40% growth almost a decade. They went from a regional, they are a um, uh, realtor agency. And and if you've ever seen, there's been shows on TV that show Keller Williams, that's his company. And there used to be, I haven't watched them lately, um, got out of the habit. One of our ministers, Keith Cox, Reverend Keith Cox in in, uh, Los Angeles, worked for them and and still works for them. And he he runs our youth program. So Keith volunteers with our youth and he makes his his, uh, living as a realtor with Keller Williams. And every once in a while, I see Keith in an episode. I say, hey, where are you, man? I got all these other things. Nah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be on TV. I say, okay. But anyway, so they, but 40% growth for almost a decade. So with the hiring of 14 people, all of a sudden, everything expanded. So he, and he went from a list of a handful of things to accomplish. So before each, each meeting, or at the end of each meeting, he would talk to people and say, okay, what is your handful of things you're going to accomplish but before we meet again? And what he found was over time is that typically people would do some, but they wouldn't get the whole list done. Or the, and so then he said, well, let's do two things. Before the next meeting, let's do two things. And so um, they'd come back and they'd get one, one thing done, but a lot of times it wasn't getting done all the time. So he realized, just make it one thing. What's the one thing you're going to get done before the next meeting? 
Because he said, as, as the, the talk title says, if you chase two rabbits, you will not catch either one. And so it's, it's very interesting. It's, it's, um, I didn't get a chance to talk about it a lot at the first uh, session, but, and don't tell people that they missed this. But, but you know, the idea is that we, we do all this, and we, we, you know, we, we, we come to the Center for Spiritual Living, and we talk about meditation. Well, I should go home. I'm going to go home and meditate for an hour. Tomorrow I'm going to get up, and I'm going to meditate for an hour. Then I'm going to go to the gym for an hour. Boom, do that. And then I'm going to go to work. When I come home from work, then I'm going to go to my um, mixed martial arts class and become a sensei or go to my tai chi class. And then I'm going to come home and work on the five most important things on my, um, my strategic business plan. Has anybody ever done that besides me? Yeah, yeah. Stop that. Don't be doing that because you can't do that. You have to, it's one thing. It's one thing, one thing, one thing, and then that one thing eventually becomes our way of being and a habit, and then we move into the next one thing. But this whole idea that we're going to change our lives, we're going to change it all, and you know, by Wednesday, we're, all, we're so tired from Monday and Tuesday getting up at 4.30 in the morning to get our meditation in and our, our going to the gym and then, and then working. And, you know, I mean, who can work when you've got all these things to do that are so important to change your life? So the key to it is to go small. The first key is to go small, as he says. One thing. He said, when you want the absolute best chance to succeed at anything, go small. Going small is ignoring all the right things you could do and doing what you should do. Once again, ignoring all the things that you could do and doing what you should do. So what could I do? What should I do? Yeah. Big success comes when we do a few things really well. You know, I think that uh, people always come up to me and, 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 uh, and thank me, which is wonderful, and, and uh, the whole thing, the preparation, but the time and energy that goes into pulling myself together so that I can stand before you and be somewhat articulate and clear, it's a, it's a lot of time and energy and effort that goes into it because it's very important to me. It's one of my one things. This is, I think, very important that you would take your time, travel here. I mean, time is, is money. There's, it's a weekend. You could sleep in. You could be at the... There's all kinds of festivals going on right now. It just was... Uh, Laura and I bought the tickets to the folk festival. And we didn't realize that Saturday and Sunday would be such a tough day to get there. But, but um, there's all kinds of things you could be doing. And so I get that. And it's, it's honoring... It, I think it would be a disservice to not prepare to the best of my ability... But it takes me a lot of time and effort and energy. I mean, it's a, it's a thing that's very important and it's precious to me. And it's a way that I can be of service. And, I, and so I'm very, very uh, grateful for it. But I have to always, and my challenge many times is, is doing less. Because I usually have way too much. I could get up here and do four talks. But it's like, hmm, you wouldn't remember it and then I wouldn't have anything for the next month. So I just, but, it, but it's, but it's, it's, um, you know, part of that is discernment. Part of that is, is experience as well. So he talks about in the second chapter the domino effect. It's, and it's a, a great example. There was um, an experiment I'll show you on the next slide. But right now, with this slide, you know, of course, we all know dominoes. You set them up and they'll knock one another over and they can go into, I don't know what the world's record is. I thought about showing you a video of it, but I think everybody here has seen dominoes get knocked over. So, But what they found is that... Um, with this next slide, it's called the Whitehead Experiment, and you'll see that the dominoes are different pieces of material, that, and they're double in size with each one. What they have found is that if the first domino is two inches, by the 18th domino, if you double each time to 18, it's the height of the, the Leaning Tower of Pizza. 
by the 23rd domino, it's the, the height of the Eiffel Tower. By the 51st domino, it's the height of, the, um, of Mount Everest. And by the 57th, you're almost to the moon. So just doubling. So one of the points he makes in this is to in- create extraordinary results, create that domino effect in our lives, which is to find the first domino that we chip away at to knock over, which then doubles. There's a multiplication that goes on as we do this work. So quite fascinating, though, with the domino. It just, just takes, it takes that first domino. And there's Whitehead. So someone with a lot of knowledge, they learned it over time. Someone that can play the guitar like Robert Walsh has learned that over time, and there's devotion and there's commitment to that. He didn't pick the guitar up and think about playing the piano while he was doing it. He mastered one chord after another, one hand position after another, over and over and over again. And it's such an apparent, apparent uh, example, but it's so true for musicians. It's the years and years that go into that practice till it becomes... You know, they, they don't even have to think about it anymore. It's just instinctual. I mean, there's some, there's some process, but it's, oh, I know that chord. You know, they can hear it and play it almost immediately. Someone with a lot of skill, once again, musical instrument, a voice, a vocalist, like Andrea. Someone that has, has done a lot. They've done a lot over time. And someone with a lot of money, they've put it together over time. I mean, how many stories have we seen of people who win the lottery and don't have the consciousness or the lifestyle? Forget about consciousness, the lifestyle or the ability and capacity to hold it, to give it a home. Because all of a sudden, you know, you see it all the time. Well, what happened? Well, I, I, my cousin needed a loan and my sister needed a loan. And you see that a lot of times with professional athletes. They come into a lot of money. They're, they come from impoverished backgrounds and all of a sudden they have a lot of money. And you, how did these guys end up broke? You know, Mike Tyson. I don't know what he's, he spent $400 million? Where? Oh my gosh. I was watching the uh, Hall of Fame induction uh, speeches. I love those speeches because these guys talk about their experience and so I was sitting there and I thought, oh my gosh. And Charles Haley was there and he was a, he played, uh, he, and I know sports stories, but the thing I love about sports is it's a level playing field. If you, if you come from nothing and you, and you have athletic skill or you're willing to p- spend the time, it levels the playing field. And I love that about sports. It's an opportunity for people to to do something with their lives that might not have that other opportunity. Not the only one, but there's so many great stories of people pulling themselves up through that. But Charles Haley said that he got invited one time to go play golf at Pebble Beach with the owner of the San Francisco 49ers. He'd never been on a golf course in his life. And so they'd get to the first hole and he drove right up next to the the cup with the cart. And they said, Charles, you can't drive on the green. And he said, oh, and he's six foot nine and 280 pounds of just nothing but, but you know, trained muscle and, and dexterity. And he drives over to the next hole and he drives right up on the green again with a, you know, compass. And the guy comes running out from the clubhouse and says, you can't keep driving on the green. And Charles Haley looks at him and says, it's all green. <laughs> Love that story. We think we know what we're talking about. So, one thing, the one thing. And here's a picture of somebody that I know you, you've recognized. There's Colonel Sanders. He had the secret chicken recipe. One secret recipe that he turned into an empire. There's, and here's a picture of a fellow you may not recognize. Anybody recognize this guy? I know if you're at the first service you know who it is. So that's not fair. 
Oh, I got them tucked under the wrong sheet here. That is Adolf Coors. Between 1947 and 1967, Coors um, Brewery expanded 1,500%. And I know how important it is. Laura and I have had a, few, a number of uh, group functions at our home over the last couple of summers, and, and uh, we would run out and we'll get various refreshments trying to make sure we got everything, all the bases covered and we'll get some really fancy beers for people. That, and, uh, and, and, and every time now, people come up and say, do you have Coors Light? I thought, oh, okay, it never occurred to me to bring Coors Light to the party, but, but it's a very popular um, beer, and, and, it, and through this single-minded focus of one product. So one thing, what is the one thing for you right now? And I'm not talking about you're going to be a, a brewmaster or you're going to have a secret chicken recipe, but all great success comes from, from that focus on the one thing. Which also ties into this first chapter when he put, um, Gary Keller talks about this idea of one person. So this next slide is a picture of somebody that I know you'll recognize. There's Walt Disney. Anybody know Walt? We've all experienced one of his movies. We've all, you know, the, 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 the whole thing. Well, Walt had one person in his life that was pivotal to his experience and to his success. And so the fellow that comes up on the right there, anybody recognize him? That's his brother, Roy. And Roy was a banker in Chicago. And Walt was an art student, and he, he was doing cartoons for the school newspaper. And he wanted to do that for newspapers for a living, be a cartoonist. And um, he couldn't find a job. So Roy, his brother, said, well, here, here's an art studio. I'll help you get into the art studio where he learned animation. And as a result of one door closing and Roy assisting him, all of a sudden we have this whole, he went from you know, drawing the, the animation of, of Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and all the other characters that have come out of that to a, an amazing dynasty. We were there a couple years. We went down to Orlando a couple uh, years ago for our minister's conference. And I know it's an amazing experience, all based on his imagination. But that one, that one person at the right time was the one that helped him uh, develop this, this beautiful idea in something. The next slide is a picture of two men. One is Albert Einstein and the other is Max Talmud. And Max was Einstein's mentor. Who knew Einstein had a mentor? Einstein had someone. That was, so when, when, when Albert Einstein was 10 years old, Max took him under his wing. He taught him, introduced him to, to math, to philosophy, to science. He had one meal a week with the Einstein family. Isn't that, isn't that great to say, I went over, I'm going over to the Einsteins to have dinner. I love uh, the comedian Albert Brooks. His real name is Albert Einstein. That's his, his birth name. And I, I saw an interview with him, a funny, funny man. And they said, Did, were you ever teased as a kid being uh, named Albert Einstein? He said, oh, never, never. He said, I'm going to go over and play with my friend Moses and Abraham in a minute. You know, it's like, oh. <laughs> let's name you Albert Einstein. So Einstein had a mentor. The next person I know you'll recognize, the person on the left, that's Oprah, and the person on the right is her father. And Oprah says that if she did not, at, at a point in time in her life, she was sent back to, to live with her father. She said if she didn't have that experience with her dad, she's not sure what would have happened with her life, that it probably would have gone in a completely different direction. Next slide is one of Oprah as well with, with um, Jeffrey Jacobs. It was the attorney that told her, when Oprah was finally getting, she was in, coming into prominence, but hadn't yet 
you know, reach the celebrity that she currently has. She was looking for a production company to take her to the next level of, of producing her shows and doing all the things that she was doing. And he was the one that said, well, Oprah, you don't need to do that. Start your own company. You can do this. Start your own company. He was very experienced with uh, various different uh, entertainment uh, entities. And he said, you don't need to do this. And then from that, she developed Harpo uh, Studios. She also uh, now has her own television station. So none of us do this alone. The next slide is a picture of Paul McCartney and John Lennon. Did wonderful, amazing music together. But they brought their skills and talents um, together with a man that took them to the next level, that brought the musical expertise and the understanding and the artistry to expand what they were doing, a man by the name of George Martin, who was considered the fifth Beatle. No one succeeds alone, not any one of us. So what's your one thing? You know, I ask that question for myself. What's the one thing that's important to me? What can I go small with that'll, that, that will, I think, create the most fulfillment in my life? Because I'm just like you. You know, I want to go home. I want to go home this afternoon and, and play the guitar that I haven't touched in a year to do another song here. And then I'm like, ah. Oh. Because I got to do, I, actually, yeah, there's many things. There's many things on my plate, but, but I do have time that where I can say, I should do this. This is important. This is important to me. And it's like meditation. It's like prayer. It's like having affirmative prayer. You know, I was, I, I've been reading uh, Autobiography of a Yogi, and in that, that beautiful book, he never talks about, I want to go here, I want to go there. He traveled, but his whole, his whole passion was... Um, his whole passion was devotion to God and service to God and being inspired and being that portal of divine connection to live really the, the embodiment of the Christ consciousness, the Buddha nature. He had that passion. This is a young man by the name of Gilbert Tuhabonye. And Gilbert, it's a very touching story. And I'm going to pull the book open here to share it with you because I'm just... Uh, I want to hit some of the key points without reading it to, to you. But Gilbert's passion was running as a young man. He was born in Songa, Burundi. And his early love of track and field helped him win the Burundi National Championships in the men's 400 and 800 meters when he was still a junior in high school, which is grade 11. In October, 20, on October 21st, 1993, members of the Hutu tribe invaded Gilbert's high school, captured the students of the Tutsi tribe. Those not immediately killed were beaten and burned alive in a nearby building. Very sad that this goes on even today. After nine hours buried beneath burning bodies, Gilbert managed to escape and outrun his captures to the safety of a nearby hospital. He was the lone survivor. He came to Texas. And he kept competing, honing his skills. He was recruited by the Abilene Christian University. Gilbert earned All-American honors six times. After graduating, he moved to Austin, where by all accounts, he's the most popular running coach in the city. He created a, a, a movement to drill for water in Burundi. He co-founded the Gazelle Foundation, whose main fundraiser is, wait for it, Run for Water, a sponsored run through the streets of Austin. So there's a theme that runs through his life. A competitor to survivor from college to career to charity, Gilbert 
Tuobonye's passion for running became a skill that led to a profession that opened up an opportunity to give back. The smile he greets fellow runners with on the trails around Austin's Ladybird Lake symbolizes how one passion can become one skill and together ignite and define an extraordinary life. The one thing shows up time and time again in the lives of the successful because it's a fundamental truth. It's a very inspiring story. I'd never heard it, never seen this guy before I picked this book up. Another slide is a slide of Bill and Melinda Gates. And Bill, as you know, he had that beautiful opportunity. With, with, uh, while he was in high school, he met one person, Paul Allen. Paul Allen now owns the uh, Seattle Seahawks and a number of, uh, he's been, done a lot of amazing work in the world. But he, he gave him his first job. They became partners in forming Microsoft his one passion in high school, Bill Gates' one passion in high school was computers. That's what he focused on. He was just into the computers, learning all that stuff when it was just starting to become part of the, the world as we know it. So he's made a, a ton of money, as we all know. And so he and his wife decided to figure out what's the one thing they can do for the world that would add the most value and help the most people. What would it be? And so they figured out that if they could help people in impoverished areas of the world with vaccinations, and so that they, they would have a better chance of living a long and healthy life. And so that they've taken a lot of the resources they have. I know he's partnered with uh, Warren Buffett, who's also incredibly wealthy, to give back. You know, they've, they've been in collaboration and conversation with a number of people about sharing their great wealth, finding other people of great wealth to... Um, in fact, I just I figured out we're going we're gonna to take one of these banners down and for the first million dollar donor, we're going to put your picture up over there. So I'll let you know. I thought about that today. Wouldn't that be a good... Just, all it takes is a million bucks. I, I love Steve Martin's uh, take on it. He says, how to be a million dollars. I used to listen to his albums all the time. He says, how to make a million dollars. Well, you start with two million dollars. Okay. Yep. So... What is our one thing? And we have one life. I'll have this one life. And it's beautiful to know this. This is not to put more pressure on us, to realize we only have to do one thing really, really well. And then do the next thing really, really well. You know? Because it'll lead to that one domino. How old were you, in, Robert, when you picked up a guitar? Uh, he was 13. And now I, when I'm down at the Windspear and they got a guy that's going to play the guitar, who walks out? Robert Walsh. It's a beautiful thing. You know, for all of us, it's that one thing. See, and Andrea, now I've watched Andrea, and I always, I've never watched it before, but are you still doing Blackstone? Um, I, no. Okay, no. Yes, but no. Yes, but, no. But, but anyway, there's an episodic television program called Blackstone, and I'll turn it on, and we'll see if you're on, and if you're not on, I, I don't watch it, because I'm, I'm there to watch you. But so when did you th think about being an actress and singer? Twenty years old, yeah. And so you learn one song, and then you learn another song, and you go to audition. But then, you know, you, what's the one thing you can do? What can you prepare today to do really, really well? To break it down, because that's all we can do is today anyway. You know, if I got up here and, and did all the talks I've ever done at one time, which I've tried it a, a few times, but it doesn't work. So what's our one thing? So there's our list of the things we talked about today. This is an amazing, great book. Next week I'm going to talk about the six lies we tell ourselves. All these ideas around um, all the, the, the wonderful stuff and insightful and powerful. It takes some of the pressure off ourselves. I just have to do this one thing today. 
I had this one wonderful idea that showed up for me this week. I thought, oh my gosh, this is so brilliant. This is, this, this is. And so I've been circulating that with a few people and getting their opinions, people I trust. And I was like, oh, that is a good idea. I can't share it with you yet. It's a secret. It's just like Colonel Sanders. I'm going to have a little beard on next week and a little white suit and a bow tie. And my six secret ingredients for my chicken recipe. That's been tried. But going small. Going small. What's the one thing I can do today? What can you do today? The domino effect. What, what one thing, if we knock down that one domino, other things will fall into place that will make life, that will make all the difference. And it may be spiritually like putting down a resentment. Like Andrea's going to do this uh, reunion circle at 7 o'clock tonight here. And she called and said, I want to do this thing for people that want to do some of that deeper healing and that intimate setting of, of the collective group. I said, oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful because she's called to that. Because she knows the power of that. What I know about modalities, they all work, but the consciousness of the person that's helping facilitate it is key. Because you can't take anybody where you haven't gone. That's the bottom line. You know, I want to save the world. Well, you've got to save yourself first. No, it's easier for me to save the world and fix you than take care of my problems, because I don't want to look there. So, oh, man, okay. I won't be able to attend, but call me and let me know how it goes, you know? One product, one service. Like as a center, what do we, we stand for as a community? And we're in the process right now of having this conversation at a, at a deeper level. We know teach and live from love, but what does that look like? What does that mean? Where does that have traction? And what's the one thing that we can do around that? How do we, how do we you know, people come to me all the time and just go, we had that um, quartet here two weeks ago, and the soloist came up to me afterwards. Oh my God, I had no idea you guys even existed. Well, we do. And I, it's not the first time I've heard that. And so how do we let people know we're here? That we're not here to hold you down and, and, you know, and, and, and tame you. We're not here to, to inflict more, more guilt and shame upon you. The world has plenty of guilt and shame. We're all here to live in freedom. And we're all here to use those stories. A beautiful song that Andrea was singing. I don't know if she's done it this time. Probably the second one about the putting our stories down. Did you already do that song? Not it's coming. Wait. Don't leave. Don't leave. Yeah. One product, one service. One person. Who's the one person that has made a difference in your life? A wonderful story in um, uh, the Hall of Fame speech is Tim Brown, who's a receiver for the Oakland Raiders. And he tells this great story. He says, you know, the synchronicities of me being here are so amazing. He said, you wouldn't believe it. The chances of me not being here. Inducted into the Hall of Fame. He played for the Oakland Raiders for 15 years. And he tells the stories that he was in high school, and he said, my high school team won four games, four games in three years of varsity football. And he said, he said, we were playing the one team that we've beat four times in varsity football the one weekend that the recruiters from Notre Dame came to look at another guy that was on the other team. And he said, it just so happens that weekend, that, that game, I scored a touchdown on a punt return, a kickoff return, a pass, and I ran for a touchdown. Four touchdowns in one game. He said, the week before, I didn't score any. The week after, I scored one. Thank God they didn't come the week before or the week after. But he said, that opened the door. And they came to recruit, and his mother said, well, as long as you don't try to make him a Catholic, if he goes to Notre Dame, we want him to go there. And so he got some insurances. But then he said he's at Notre Dame, and he's just hanging out. He's on the team, but he's not playing much. He's there two years. And he said, all of a sudden, this little guy shows up, new coach, new head coach with these little wire rim glasses, and he brings him into his office and says, what's your problem? And Tim Brown says, what are you talking about? He says, well, you're, you're not playing. He says, you know, is it, is it discipline? No. Is it grades? No. 
Is it drugs? No. He said, they just don't play me. You know, I'm coasting along and I'm getting a great education. And, and Lou Holtz starts watching his practices and he starts watching his film and he says, you know, I think you could be the best football player in the country. And Tim Brown's like, you talking to me? He says, yeah, you could be the best football player in the country. He said, he's telling me stuff that I never even thought of. He says, well, I'm, I'm going to hang out with this guy because I've never heard this before. He said, I'm start following him around like a little puppy dog. <laughs> Anything, any other good things you can say to me? But that conversation and that relationship, in, within two years, Tim Brown graduated with his degree from Notre Dame and won the Heisman Trophy. And the Heisman Trophy is for the best football player, college football player of the year. But that man showed up in his life and said, you know, I see something in you. I think you could be great. I think you could be spectacular. When we invite you to come up front and do prayer work with our practitioners, it's because they have been trained to see the brilliance and the love and the light that you are, despite the story you bring, despite where you've been and the conditions and, the st and all of that stuff, to see that the light within you is such a gift, so empowering to have somebody. If you don't have a practitioner in your life, get one. It's not about, well, I got to wait till life gets so miserable and bad, I just better go get an affirmative prayer. Man, be prayed up all the time. It lifts us up into this realm of, of, of wonder and joy and possibilities. Like, I'm available to that. Yeah, that's for me too. You know, go on to the most expensive car lot you can find. Go down to the BMW dealer down there or to the Lexus dealer on the west and just stand in the middle and stand there like this and just go, this is all for me. And just turn around like that. And stay there a half an hour. And when the salesman come up to you and just say, this is all for me. Well, can I sell you one? Well, not today, but this is all for me. <laughs> but it builds a, a havingness to us, a welcome of greater. And not, it's not about cars, but it's about the capacity to give and receive at a bigger level. And, and the form, we measure it. We're not our homes. We're not our vehicles. We're not our, our jobs. But there's an opportunity. It's the consciousness upon those things that can be so powerful. One passion, one skill. What are you passionate about? What is your passion? Because it's not about consumption. After a while, it's not about what, what's in it for me. It's about what I can give back. And one life. We have this one life, this point in time. So for all of us, for myself as well, to work with this question. But it's a beautiful question to play in. It doesn't have to be pressure. It just has to be an opportunity. What's this? Is, am I directing my energy in the most productive and fulfilling way I possibly can? Am I, being, am I being a good steward of what's been given me uniquely and then offering that to the world? This is a wonderful question. I, I did a wedding yesterday and this woman was there. I hadn't seen her at the center for quite a while. And she said, I just got back from Vancouver and I went through this coaching training clinic for a, a month, every day. And I said, what did you do for every day? And she said, well, we sat around and asked the question, what do you want? Said, hmm, what a good question. Spend a month sitting around asking, so maybe you spend the next month or two. What do I want? What is my one thing? Because everybody has this unique and amazing gift. And it's not about saving the world. It's about revealing that. It's about what, how it's, it transforms us in the giving. It's a powerful, beautiful thing. And that's our opportunity. So what's our one thing? What a beautiful thing to play in and bask in and just ask. Because as we ground ourselves in that awareness and that, that intuitive awareness and that heart intelligence and that mind intelligence, it shows up. There's clues. There's clues, there's insights. Ah, there it is. And what must I become to step into that? What is, what is Spirit's bigger idea about my life? Because that's why we're here. We're here to, to move the consciousness of this planet forward, 
and to be the models and the examples of other people that, can, that draft behind us. We've been given this opportunity in this space and time to do this. You know, we, we, we've put down many of the things that our forefathers did so we have the space and time. We're not outgrowing all of our own crops for the most part. Although there's probably some people here that have beautiful gardens. Those ways of life we've grown beyond. And so that excess energy, the re, as um, Howard Thurman said, the reason to be successful in our lives is so that we have excess energy and time and resources to do this work. Isn't that a lovely thing? And so I just encourage you to join us this month. There's wonderful information in this powerful little book, The One Thing, Surprisingly Simple Truths and Extraordinary Results. And as Curly said, you just got to find that one thing. That's the deal. And so it is. Thank you.